Did you bring water in here? Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm the one that does the intros. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the podcast where we talk about <laughs> murder, mystery, mishaps. And um, yeah, my name is Kristen Watts. <laughs> guys uh it's sarah and we're it's uh my cheeks hurt from smiling and laughing honestly right yeah now, so. it's so funny because i was gonna text sarah today <laughs> and i was i was gonna tell her like oh i think today is like one of my manic days <laughs> like my my adhd is like it's raging like i felt the words spewing out of my mouth well she just, did like, text me and tell me that except it wasn't uh verbatim she she sent me a picture of her with foil on her head (laughs) (laughs) saying don't forget your foil hats or whatever and so i was like okay she's dying her hair again it's one of those days (laughs) yeah you know uh, mental illness and depression equal hair changing of colors every month or so and now it is only able to be uh recorded on video for the audience to see did that make sense hi yeah did we say names already i'm Kristen, and i'm sarah yes we did fuck okay <laughs> yay today's gonna be great <laughs> yeah no Kristen's mm. on one and our my story's super fucked up but first let's talk about what we're drinking Ooh, yeah we don't have any other um business to talk about right no. yeah so Kristen, you always go first Simba's over here. So that <laughs> no, that was me. I was, that was, I was okay. I'm trying to. So, it's from the good and faithful fat ass. It's a nice little Pinot Noir moment. Um, not gonna lie though it is like strange to the to the lips it's a strange little taste at the beginning but then it tastes like nothing so yeah i don't like it it's not for everyone (laughs) we don't we don't recommend i do normally like pinots depending um but it's just a little sweet when my mom told me the price of it um i sorry i'm sorry i have drank a lot of good wines uh from this winery not this one though this Mm. one was not my favorite $30? $30? I don't know. Well, on the ladder, my $3 wine. Yeah, if you need a dupe that actually is palatable. Cul-de-sac from H-E-B, Cabernet. Classic, can never go wrong, $3 and some change bottle of happiness. Well... I know maybe we've had the giggles during our intro today, but our our story 
is nothing but funny. Mm. Like, hands down. I got it. <laughs> She said literally. <laughs> I like the the amount of <sighs> Sometimes I think you're more dad than human. <laughs> oh my That's god. That's the sweetest thing anyone's ever told me. I literally like at first I thought there was a fucking earthquake and now it's just Sarah being a fucking dork. <laughs> I appreciate it though. It makes me laugh, you know. Mm. No. <laughs> you had also- you had to be here to understand it. Yeah, you really had to be here. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. <sighs> okay, like I said, nothing but funny. Mm. Let's get into it. Serious face on because today I will be talking to you about the I don't even know what to call it the murder, mutilation, dismemberment, absolute chaos committed against Renee Renee Hardevelt. Hardevelt. Mm hmm. On the night of June 11, 1981, Renee Hardevel went to her classmate's apartment for some dinner. Renee was a 25-year-old and was born in the Netherlands. She was Dutch, mm-hmm. but she was living in Paris at the time where she was attending Sorbonne Paris, which was kind of a prestige college. Pretty sure it's prestige. It was at least a really well-known, or still is a really well-known college. And she was studying French literature. Ooh. If not other things, but at least that. So, Renee was not only intelligent, but also attractive. So, it's easy to say she was probably, you know, used to having admirers and, you know, that kind of thing. So, her classmate, Isai Sagawa. I'm going to call him Sagawa. So, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> he was also studying literature at uh, Saban. He was considered more of an acquaintance to Renee, and so they weren't, like, super close or anything. Mm-hmm. Renee was going over to his apartment that night with the impression that not only were g- they were going to not only were they going to have dinner, but also complete a poetry assignment. Sagawa, on the other hand was infatuated and fixated on the thought of having a beautiful and intelligent friend such as Renee. So, Renee arrives at Sagawa's apartment, which was 16E10 Rue Erlanger in Paris, France. So, little little did Renee know, Sagawa had been dreaming of this night for about 32 years. Yeah. Which was his age. Okay. So. For those that don't know, yes, I do know exactly what case Sarah is talking yeah, about. Yeah, I meant to mention <laughs> it at the beginning, but um, Kristen had mentioned this case in one of our earlier episodes, and so we're doing it now. <laughs> Hello. Shortly after arriving to Sagawa's, Renee was seated at his desk reading a poem out loud. And it's unclear, you know, like, if it was something that she, like, it was 
intended to see or like I don't or like it it was something that like she was used to I guess I should say yeah because I'll say later on that they have it seems like they have hung out for academic purposes like this before like apparently she was kind of teaching him German and so it didn't so I mentioned him being an acquaintance Mm -hmm. but it seems like they could have been a little more friendly or close than an acquaintance yeah um even though they may maybe weren't like actual friends like they didn't hang out outside of their study sessions at the same time if i were to walk in and you were to be like screaming poetry i would slowly walk out depends what poetry i guess do we know well, it was for their poetry assignment, I oh. assume. Okay, so maybe, yeah, but no, that makes, sorry, that makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> That's like me being really fucking judgmental. That actually makes a lot of sense as to why he's, okay. Yeah, when you're like screaming poetry, I was like, well, <laughs> it wasn't, it was like. I'm just ready to fucking call him guilty, okay? Color him guilty. As Renee was sitting at Sagawa's desk reading this poem, Sagawa armed himself with a rifle and shot Renee in the back of the neck, just point blank. Shit. Shocked at the fatal consequences of his actions, wait, he Sagawa fainted. He was like, "Oops, I killed someone." When he came to, he decided that being a murderer just wasn't enough. He proceeded to commit necrophilia on Renee's corpse. I maybe should have given a trigger warning. Yeah, at the beginning of this case. (laughs) And if this wasn't enough, maybe he was just, like, hungry. I don't know. Um, He had some force that led him to attempt to take a couple of bites out of Renee. Mm. He realized his teeth weren't sharp enough to penetrate Renee's skin. So he went and got a butcher's knife and dismembered her body to eat and store and, you know, to later consume. I did read somewhere that he literally left his apartment to go buy a butcher's knife mm-hmm. and come back. Mm-hmm. And, but it didn't say that in other articles, so I think there way. were some where they like had photos or CCTV, whatever footage of him nice. like leaving and coming back from yeah, the apartment. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But I've definitely seen. If you want to, there are definitely photos of the inside of his apartment, like the cookware and everything that he's used mm-hmm. for that. Oh yeah, very like. Be warned, though, you're going to... It's disturbing. Right. Yeah. As you can imagine. Uh, So he ate some of Renee raw, and then he also ate some of her cooked. Sagawa saw Renee as smart and beautiful, which were characteristics that he kind of felt he lacked personally. And so apparently... He wanted to absorb that energy from her. That's like, (laughs) exactly. Well, I mean, I know that I know this case, but just like, uh, I don't know. It it just seems like a very, 
when you have people that are not logical or not uh, with high IQs, I guess I should say, they have this real irrational thought of like, it's like that thing of like, oh, if I get LeBron James's sweat on me, I'll be just as good as him. You know, it's like that kind of notion. It's that to the extreme. So what we didn't really know about Sagawat this time or what others didn't know was that he was obsessed with cannibalism from a pretty young age. Mm. Sagawa was born prematurely on April 26, 1949, to a successful and wealthy family. Being premature, he was frail and tiny, and he even almost died before ever being born. After being born, he suffered from various health problems, including enteritis, which is a disease that affects the intestines. So I'm sure that sucked, but I how, don't know too much on it. But how weird for a cannibal to have, like, that kind of history. Right. Is that just me? No, I mean, it is kind of weird, and I didn't even think about that. I didn't connect those dots. I'm just... It's a good thought, though. But I'm like, yeah, like, why the... I don't know, yeah. It has to be, like, a... I, I want to be like you normal folks, so I'm going to eat you so I can be you. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. There's mental illness for sure, but <laughs> some logic mental we'll illness. Yeah. Sagawa eventually had a little brother that he ended up being pretty close to. Mm-hmm. As a kid, them two, he and his brother would play this game where their father and their uncle would pretend they were giants and chase them around wanting to eat them. Hmm. So we could say this um, This is where Sagawa's interest in cannibalism maybe stemmed from. Yeah. It could be safe to say, you know. It piqued his interest, wondering, like, yeah, what does that mean? Like, oh, eating people. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but as Sagawa grew, he transformed from a frail little boy into a healthy young man, you know, although he was only f- like about five foot tall and like not even, he was barely under, I think. <laughs> His interest in cannibalism stemmed from this game, possibly, and it transformed into a thought from a game into a more dark and serious obsession. Mm-hmm. His infatuation with cannibalism eventually developed into adding a sexual component where he would fantasize about not only eating flesh, but that of women who he was attracted to. Okay, yeah, no, that's where, like, so did his parents know about this? Does it say? I didn't read anything about okay, that, but, but honestly, you know... let's okay, but like, let's be honest. If they did know about it, they wouldn't put him in therapy for it. They would just shame the fuck out of him for it. So, well, it... and I do go into so like s- s- minor spoiler alert. He does get into some trouble later, but he gets out of it because his family is wealthy and successful. Sagawa would fantasize about eating the flesh of celebrities, you know, such as Grace Kelly. Ooh. <laughs> In 1972, he would break into the Tokyo apartment of young German, of a young German woman with the intention of eating her. So this is when his fantasies turn into actual 
crimes crimes and <laughs> actions him acting out his fantasies Ugh. rather than just fantasizing about it Mm-mm. and i don't get the name of this german girl um just because it never you'll see so luckily the woman awoke before sagawa could like get to her yeah. get a bite out of her whatever she was able to overpower him. Like I said, he was only about He's five feet tall. He's fucking tiny. I would fucking kick the shit out of him. Yeah, like, like okay, what the I'm fuck like are you five doing? Five eight, bitch. Like, tiny. I'll sit on you. <laughs> <laughs> he was arrested for this incident, but on charges of attempted rape because no one knew he was trying to eat her. Ugh. As I mentioned, he came from a wealthy and successful family, so Sagwa's father actually offered to pay the woman money to drop the charges, and which she accepted, so he was never prosecuted or taken to court. Mm-hmm. Five years after this incident was when 28-year-old Sagawa moved to Paris, France, to study languages and literature at Sorbonne University. He apparently would hire sex workers and bring them to his home with the intention of fulfilling his nasty desires, but I guess he never really went through with it, unless we don't know about it. Yeah. He would spend three to four years studying and working as a writer in France before he met Renee Hardeville in 1981. He quickly became obsessed and infatuated with his desires amongst Renee. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the story, Sagawa was considered more of an acquaintance to Renee, but along with just going over to his house to do a poetry assignment, it seemed as if that she was also giving him German lessons. So it's unclear it's as to what extent, you know, they hung out or we, we, when we say hang out, it's like study. Yeah date although it's not a date whatever it's not like hanging out it's not like hanging out like hanging out it's just like like, you're literally chilling as pals but you're hanging out to do homework it's not like a date so it's unclear as the extent of that but i guess i should include because i wasn't sure being from the netherlands and being dutch i was like oh so she knew german but it's very common for a Dutch person or someone from the Netherlands to not only understand Dutch or German, but speak it as well. So I I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. We know what happened next after Renee arrived to Sagawa's apartment as she was reading that poem. So after that, you know, happened the next like three gruesome things, Sagawa called a taxi cab. The cab driver helped him load the two suitcases he had into the trunk. The cab driver apparently made a joke about, like, referring to the weight of the suitcases. Apparently he was like, oh, these are heavy. There must be a dead body in here. Little did he know. And, spoiler alert, Remains of Renee Hardevelt's body were in the suitcases. I just can't imagine after the facts of these cases, or the facts of this case comes out, the cab driver, like, reading the newspaper that day. Luckily, he did, ha- he did 
maybe redeem himself. Um, and I'll say that in just a few bullet points, but the cab driver would drop Sagwa and his suitcases off at Boy de Boulogne, which is a public park that has a lake and stuff. You know, it's like a trail. People jog around it. And I don't, it's unclear where Sagawa dumped the suitcases, if it was somewhere random in the park or if it was in the lake and they kind of washed up. Wherever he dumped them, two joggers quickly discovered them and called the p- police police immediately. Mm-hmm. With the help of the taxi cab driver, the police were able to connect the suitcases to Sagawa. And so they searched his apartment immediately and found a photo ID card that belonged to Renee Hard- Renee Hardwell. <laughs> As well as the remnants of a meal that had been cooked that included human flesh. Cooked human flesh. Sagawa was arrested for murdering Renee, but he was never tried for killing her. Instead, he was held in France for about two years while he was examined by psychologists. With the help of a prominent lawyer secured by his rich father, it was determined by the French courts that Sagawa was legally insane and unable to stand trial. In total, Sagawa would spend about four years in maximum maxim, maximum security <laughs> <laughs> psychiatric unit uh, there in France. But it doesn't end here. (laughs) Literally, it's just ridiculous. While he was in the French mental institution for the killing and cannibalizing of Rene Hardevelt, he decided to write a novel. The book is titled In the Fog. It was a quote-unquote fictional story on how a man murdered a woman raped her corpse, and then ate her. He, he made it seem fictional, but it was basically an autobiography. Okay, so... Did he happen to make money off of that book? I always forget. Well, Sagawa's family, as well, obviously, as Renee's family, yeah. were highly opposed to this novel ever getting published. I'm really glad that his family... Yeah, he's on top of that as well. They're like, we agree he's Uh equally fucked up. I know other families that wouldn't have done that, so. (laughs) But the public was, like, down for this sort of gruesome tale. What the fuck? Public! Okay, that's not cool. That's actually pretty fuck. So what? They just went against both families? In the Fog became a bestseller. Making Sagawa a super controversial figure in both France and Japan. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Another controversial thing about this case was that in 1985, the crime happened in 1981. Crime scene photos from Renee's murder and dismemberment were leaked to the press. This resulted in a popular French magazine publishing the photos. These photos show Renee's nude body, which had obviously been mutilated and dismembered, 
And this disturbed anyone and everyone who looked at them. And it was obviously a major hit to Renee's family. Yeah. Jesus Christ. The outrage from these photos being published actually caused a reporter to be arrested. Good. They were the one who basically published them. Good. And more than 200,000 copies of the French magazine that they were published in were seized by the law enforcement. Sagawa ended up being deported back to Japan after spending the four years in the mental institution that I mentioned er earlier. He spent a total of four years, so he gets deported back to... (laughs) Simba! Sorry. Cat is not playing around. He gets deported back to Japan because his lawyer, that his family hired for him, of course, convinces French authorities that it would be better for him to receive treatment in a Jap- Japanese facility. So he was deported in 1984 and was sent to Matsuzawa Hospital in Tokyo for evaluation and treatment. Psychiatrists at this facility determined that Sagawa, you know, probably definitely had a personality disorder, but was not legally insane. Okay, so we're going to try him for fucking murder then. Yeah, because this means he could have withstand he could have withstood trial. He can be accountable for what he did to Renee. Fucking obviously. But Oh, if you're not, not angry now. Oh, um, but not obviously? Huh? Apparently French authorities didn't Okay, so there's this is a gray area. We don't know what really happened between you know, things can get messy when it's cross country. Either and- way, why there Either way, if it's messy, like Some, unacceptable. He needs to be able to can- like, unacceptable. What? Apparently, okay, just what say it. I just, read is that ugh. French authorities didn't want to help Japanese authorities prosecute Sagawa because I think in order for the Japanese to do it, they needed certain things from the French because that's where the crime was happened. That's where he was arrested, and they couldn't do it without the French. But apparently. The French wouldn't cooperate. But it's like... But we don't know what really happened. I don't know. Well, I totally believe it because it's like uh, the fucking one case where the detective came in and he's like, when we solve it, we'll call y'all. So it's just like, (laughs) everyone's a fucking dick. But it's just like, I don't... I, I really... It's hard for me to understand that at the end of the day, like, people have died. These are victims, families that need closure how are you putting your pride in front of this? This has nothing to fucking do with you. Suck it the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Suck your big little fat gut up and shove it aside. This is not your place to shine. Like, wait until you're dead. And then you'll, and then your family will let you shine. Like, ew. 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 Unfortunately, a lot of attention had been brought to Sagawa because of his crimes, and especially because of the release of his novel. So after being released into the care of his parents, Sagawa basically capitalized off of himself and notoriety, you know, because the sick... Like I said, the reason why his book got published is because the public was interested in it. 
So like the sick fucks we are, we are interested in this kind of macabre, you know? Macabre? Macabre? Yeah, uh, nope. No hope there. I in can't 19- pronounce them. <laughs> I just know them. <laughs> <laughs> in 1992, Sagawa appeared in a low-budget porno. <gasps> It's called Unfaithful Wife, semicolon, Shameful Torture. Ew. It's about an underground club in Tokyo where the women willingly get drugged and are subjected to fetish sex Okay. In the film, someone starts to dismember the females (gasps) in the club, which results in a mixture of violence and sex. Sagawa's role in the film is just... A straight-up exploitation of his past crimes against Renee. Film, he's shown eating a woman's butt. Buttocks. Ew. So, in addition to his novel In the Fog, he wrote and published several more books. I don't know the names or what they're about, because I didn't care. He illustrated manga, manga, and even edited an anthology about cannibalism fantasies. Mm Mm-hmm. He appeared as a lecturer at a university. It's unclear exactly what the lecture was about. Assuming it was about his necrophilia and cannibalism, though, this shows how even the academic world was interested or cared about what he did in his story, I guess. Yeah. Which is sick. I don't know. He's, like, guilty of murder, so... He has written reviews for Japanese restaurants, like in Japanese magazines. He's also appeared on cooking shows where he's eaten raw meat. He's also appeared on several talk shows. He has even sold paintings that he has done that featured nude women. Alrighty. The fame and interest in him has pretty much run its course. Um... I guess, unless you hear our story and interest in, in him blows up. But for Ew. the right, wrong no. reasons. Yeah, Not shame. because he's interesting. Shame him. <laughs> his popularity has declined over the years, recent years, and his crimes and actions, you know, have not only affected Renee's family since the moment it happened, but also his family... His brother that he was super close with as a child developed asthma because of the stress. Oh, I didn't know you could develop that (laughs) from stress. I was like, is that why I can't breathe? Damn. His father had to resign from his job, whatever that was. And his mother tried to commit suicide. Mm. Uh, Definitely not saying that their struggles are as bad or worse than the Hardevelt family. Because I agree with anyone else. They had it way worse. Yeah. They have it way worse still. Mm-hmm. Apparently nowadays is free living on the outskirts of Tokyo in an apartment with a new name provided by the Japanese government. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He still has a strong desire to eat human flesh. Yep. And as we can guess, not only human flesh... But attractive female human flesh. Mm-hmm. Although he claims he would never act upon his urges, he still can't help but wonder 
When he sees a beautiful woman, how they taste. Oh, I've heard that he says that he's going to act at least once more upon it. Maybe. It's just like, if so if you're going to say that he's not mentally insane, okay, then throw him in regular Japanese jail. Yeah. He, like, you're, you're so much... <laughs> the culture behind throwing them in jail is so behind, like, a... Uh, okay confess he confessed so throw him in jail why is it this one guy that confessed and you're letting him run around and like be on tv shows it makes no sense he also apparently admitted that his desire to eat renee hardeville would have been satisfied if she would have just let him drink her urine or eat her pubic hair and i'm like so if she let you do that you wouldn't have killed her to eat her did you ask her if she would do that? I don't know she how to feel. you? I mean, like, would you even say yes if a guy asked you that? If I was good, I mean, he wouldn't give you the if, op- okay. If, if you say married, no, if you say no, I'm going to kill you. And or if my husband was like, sure, if you pee in a cup and this guy's going to drink it and he's going to pay you like ten thousand dollars, hell yeah. No, I if would he, not do that shit for free, and I wouldn't let him see me pee. I'd, like, but it's not like he's going to give you the option. Oh, so either you pee in this cup and I eat your pubic hairs or I'm going to kill you. And as you said, with maybe it being this case about him trying the murder before, I did read somewhere where he also specifically went and bought the rifle to premeditate this murder. That's what, yeah. So he could have used it maybe once before and it didn't work and maybe she didn't notice. But there's a difference I feel between mentally ill people and just people that are fucking sick. So I, I don't know. Like I'm still trying to differentiate between that, well, maybe. You but can do it one is of those, one of those diagrams with the circles. The Venn diagrams. Venn diagrams. <laughs> you can do one of those and see where it plays out. It's just there are like similarities and differences. Because yeah, it, it's hard to say. Like at what point do you call what he says crazy? Like is he crazy or is he just a I would hate to call him, like, it's not, like, a normal person, but is he just, like, some, I guess, non-crazy person with some fucking crazy thoughts? It's like, I don't even know what the fuck you call it, because that's fucking crazy. Okay. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts. (laughs) Uh, I know, and I do want to end a little bit on, you know, about Renee, the victim here. Unfortunately, with this case, there is more information about the perpetrator, about sick-ass Sagawa. But I will end with what little I have about Renee Hardevelt. She was good-looking. You know, that is always, like, the number one thing. Anyways, besides her good looks, she was impressively intelligent, creative, and independent. She spoke several languages, which is also known as a polyglot, which I learned. So she was a polyglot. Hmm. She was born in, um, I read either 1955 or 1956, and was from the Netherlands. As I also mentioned, she attended Sorbonne, Paris, where she studied French literature. Rest in peace, Renee. Rest in peace, Renee. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, it was one of the rougher cases when I first heard it. Especially when you hear that 
this guy, uh, excuse me, when you hear that this guy got off pretty much scot-free, he spent a few times, in, or uh, he spent a few years in an, and he spent a few years in an insane asylum and then, uh, is now walking around the streets and can be someone that you bump into the next time you are in Japan or if you're in Japan right now may not even know it watch out for them watch out for them really short dudes for the longest time was like on talk shows I like eating people like it's not okay Mm -mm. I don't care I don't care no well cheers to um not having uh cannibals on your talk shows cheers to that cheers to uh not being a cannibal that also also yes that's a good cheers yes cheers so uh until next time guys hopefully we get the next episode out by tuesday fingers crossed we'll see like after this one yeah oh duh because <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully the next episode that y'all guys listen to comes out sometime around Tuesday and we'll see about the rest. So follow us on all the latest and greatest to catch up on all the photos that we may or may not have posted on this YouTube episode. At R-A-R-W podcast. And always (laughs) send us an email. Feel free. Anything. If you're feeling lonely. Just say hi. Yeah. Yeah. Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I deserve a pay cut. (laughs) (laughs)